You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome in to Warchant TV, warchant.com. Ah, it's roundtable time, and it should be a lot of fun. Before we get started, make sure you like and subscribe, share, tell the world about the greatness that is warchant.com and Warchant TV, as others may very well want to watch videos like this, I should say. Uh, I got so excited, I stuttered. But when you like and you subscribe, others are more readily able to find said content, and that's a good thing. And right now we're talking about it. You can see it there on the screen the NIL crisis in college sports, and we've reached crisis level pretty quickly, boys. There you see Gene Williams. There you see Ira and Corey, and I'm Jeff, and you guys are you, and thanks for watching this. Yeah, I'd say we've got a crisis. This thing spiraled out of control in a hurry. Gene, I want to look big picture and start with you. You're the founder and administrator, of course, of Warchant.com. So we've all watched the changes happening, and we've seen that we were headed on this collision course perhaps in a way that maybe the NCAA didn't realize or bother to get out in front of. But now we have a real problem in the game because I think fans, more than anybody else, are disgruntled and they're beginning to watch college sports become pro sports. Take it where you want to go about the crisis, uh, NIL crisis in college sports, and, and I guess lay bare, and then we'll get into some of the other broader topics or specific topics. Yeah, where to begin? I mean, we've seen it, especially it seems like in the last couple of weeks, it's just somebody put gasoline on the problem and it is turned into a full blown uh, dumpster fire right now. I, I, the biggest examples we saw, I think Jordan Addison, the pit stud wide receiver. There's a, at the time we're taping this right now, it seems like there's a bidding war going on between USC, Alabama, maybe some others getting the last I saw again, speculation on Twitter, what it's being worth, but we're hearing 3 million plus potentially. And what's interesting, look, we all know the NIL. I think most of us agree it was one extreme. The NCAA held fast in a certain way. We're not giving these guys anything for their name, image, and likeness. It was a little bit obscene. How it went it has completely gone a 180 the other way. This was never supposed to be pay for play. It was supposed to be, look, people wearing your jerseys, you're signing autographs, you should be getting some value for that. It's gone so far on the other end. Now, for an example, in Jordan Addison, you go to, there's, a, there's a, another outlet right now that gives a value of what these NIL, NILs for worth for these players. And it looks at a lot of different factors, their NFL potential, their social media following, all these things that go into an algorithm to do it. Jordan Addison's NIL value is $139,000. And we're talking $3 million plus. So obviously we're getting into the landscape. It's easily a pay for play. We've got potential tampering going on. The problem at the end of the day, who's going to govern this? It's not like the NCAA is going to come in and stop that. We're going to sanction you people. When they lost that lawsuit, they just said, we're hands off. We're done with this thing. And now it is completely the wild, wild west. And I think we're seeing extreme examples the last several weeks in college football with a transfer portal. 
in my expectation is this thing's only going to get worse. We're going to see more and more extreme examples and really with no leadership, whether NCA or anybody else, who's going to stop them? Who's going to make the, who's going to settle this thing down? Gene, you brought up recent examples and you were referencing a player from Georgia tech. That's the running back Jameer Gibbs, right? Who went to Alabama. All right. So the reason I bring that up and Ira, I'll pivot to you now to expound on this. I mean, that bothered people. I'm sure it really bothered people at Georgia Tech, and you might look at some other players that are doing the same thing, but those are guys whose names we read in the transfer portal. So they were looking to get out, and then the bidding war began, I suppose, however you want to look at it, right? Whereas Jordan Addison had not entered the portal, and we were reading front-page articles on a bidding war. So the tampering and the poaching that was said to not be a part of what NIL in the future was going to be it's out in the open. Teams, coaches, boosters, third-party entities, they don't care that you know that this is an inducement and that this is everything that goes against what NIL was supposed to be. This is pay-for-play, period. Well, you know, I think it's it's all based on your perspective. Like Gene said, you know, fans are getting frustrated, and you said fans are getting frustrated and disgruntled and concerned. Well, that's that's fans of the schools that are not doing the poaching. You know, the, the, the fans of Southern Cal – and the fans at Texas A&M and maybe the fans at Miami and some other schools that have been very aggressive early on, they are not too upset at all. Like they think that this is a great thing as they're adding these players. Miami picks up the point guard uh, from Kansas State, who's one of the best players in the country. So it's, it's, it's all on your perspective. And, and really, I think what we've seen so far is, you know, you, the, the rules went into place last summer where you could have the transfer portal uh, was wide open and then also the NIL. Well, it was kind of like a lot of schools were kind of dipping their toes in the water. Then we saw the signing period where Texas A&M comes up with the best, not only the best recruiting class they've ever had by a mile, but one of the best recruiting classes anybody's ever had, like eight five-star prospects signed with them just because they love Texas A&M or because of the NIL deal. So then you see like now teams are responding to that. And I think you're just seeing, it's like everybody's trying the analogy you've used for years with cheating in, in college sports Everybody's going 65, 70, 80 miles an hour in a 55. Well, now they're seeing people going 90 or 95 and not getting pulled over. And it's just going to kind of accelerate from there. So, yeah, I don't I think we're just hitting the, the tip of the iceberg. You're going to see more and more of this. We could get into in a second about how we got here. But, Corey, I want to go to you because you come at it oftentimes when we have these discussions from a similar vantage point that I come at it from and that I think college football or college fans in general, fans of collegiate athletics come at it in general. They're watching their beloved game resemble more and more professional sports. And I guess my question to you as we look at this now, the loyalty is sort of under assault. What's the only thing that keeps people who say they like college sports more than pro sports around? It's the sense that that guy on that field went to the same school that I did that he had teachers that I had and he shared the same sentiments in the city that I lived in and all of that. But as this happens more and more, as there's an approaching effect and an assault on the collegial nature of things, how in trouble are college athletics if we continue to go down this road, in your opinion? Oh, I think they could be massive trouble. Um, Look, Ira talked about the USC's and the Miami's and Alabama fans feeling great. Well, there aren't many of those. Um, There's there's about a hundred schools that are in real trouble with uh, with play with their best players getting poached. And I, again, I'll speak for all of us here. None of us have a problem with with players getting paid. I don't even have a problem with players getting paid vast sums of money if they're worth it. The, what what makes this different than the pros though is that there's no contracts binding. It's like 
Everybody on the Tampa Rays is eligible for the Yankees tomorrow, right now. Right now, the Yankees could say, you know what? They got a pretty good closer. They got three really stud pitchers. We want them all. And there's nothing you can do because those contracts don't matter because they're not really contracts. And as sports fans, that's where it's concerning to me is you grow up cheering for all these sports teams and loving sports. You want to know from year to year who's on your team. And you want to know that you don't have to recruit a kid every year that he's on your team. Just like when, you know, Matt Olson signs with the Braves, he's locked up for eight years. The, the Dodgers can't go get him tomorrow. But with, with college sports right now, when you throw in the NIL money and the crazy money that's out there for, yeah, for a Jordan Addison, like what's he going to sell in Southern California? But but you, you throw in a Jordan Addison and then you can go get him anytime you want because he's not bound by anything. That's going to turn a lot of fans off. Yes, there'll be 10 or 12 programs that are like, yeah, let's let's tap into the portal again. Let's see what we can do. Let's run, make a run at another championship. Everybody else is going to be like, well, why am I doing this? I, why am I invested in why am I going to stay invested in this team if our if our best players keep getting poached? And now well, I don't know that that's a problem at Florida State necessarily, but it's a problem at a hundred schools. Let me it, ask you they, one, can get, they can get portalized so quickly. Let me ask you guys one thing though, because as a guy who grew up as an NFL fan. But kind of, I lost my team. The Colts left Baltimore, and I never really found a new team. I stayed with Indianapolis for a while. Never really found a new team. Free agency for a lot of people turned a lot of people off as NFL fans and Major League Baseball fans because the point Corey just made, you don't. It's hard to keep track of your team from year to year. But people adapted, and and now you know Corey, your best player just left to go to the Dodgers. I mean, and and people just move on. Do you think? Don't you guys think that college football fans will adapt? as the sport changes. Okay. So let's incorporate all of this and Corey, you'll get a chance to retort, but uh, I want to go back to you, Gene. I want to retort now. Let me retort now. (laughs) Let let him retort. Go. No, I just want to say the difference Ira is that Freddie had a contract that expired. You know, they could have locked him up. He gave them ample opportunity and it didn't work out. The Dodgers just didn't go take him last August and offer him a hundred million dollars. I think that's, if they can get that under control somehow, then I think, yeah, people adapt and be okay with this. But right now, it is just wild out there. And it's they're bidding on players that aren't even on their ro- – that are on other people's rosters. Well, this is this is to Iroh's point. There, there will be – everybody hates change initially, especially when it's a shock to the system. But one of the things, Ira, that I do think is problematic for college uh, athletics is that you already have a situation where people and fans were complaining. Think about, for example, opt-outs. We have opt-outs in bowl games. We, we, we all remember when this happened. Nobody's still cool with that. Nobody thinks that's all right. I mean, it happens, and we get it, and if you stand to make a million dollars or more, uh, you're not going to play in an exhibition game, a glorified exhibition game, but it still really bothers people, and every step along the way has been the further profes- professionalization of collegiate sports, so fans feel like inexorably that's where we're headed. Gene, I cut back to you for a second. I think all of us would say, all right, well, Universities will adapt. We'll adapt as fans. We understand that the new day is not the same as it once was. But the problem is, who's governing any of this? Where's the leadership? Who is going to preside over this wild, wild west of which we speak? When are we going to see the kind of things that allow for there to be parameters for which to operate? Because as of right now, it's he who has the most amount of money and is willing to go to the most extremes to win. And as Corey pointed out, there are very few of those teams. We can identify them. We know the ones that exist. And I bet you they're going to be the same ones that exist moving forward, especially when you consider this draft that just occurred, when all the teams and all the 
players that were selected were basically SEC and Big Ten players, and they stand to, as conferences, make more money than everybody else and thus have more of a pool to pull from to bring in players in the future. Well, and that's the problem. I mean, change is happening so fast. I mean, we knew change was going to happen. It was inevitable, but man, it is happening at an accelerated rate. You're, it's like that snowball is going down the hill, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And you look on the other end, as you point out, Jeff, there is no governing body right now. So it's like, well, then how do you get this together? College football, by its nature right now, is so fractured. You don't you have it, effectively a nothing entity in the NCAA who's just sitting back watching this happen. Heck, the president just said, I'm out. I'm not even going to deal with this. And now what you have, what do you have? Five different power conferences. You've got the FCS. You've got all these different TV contracts. How in the world do you bring this all together to get a governing body? And I agree, ultimately, the deal is, as, as Corey pointed out, this is now a professional league. It is. For all intents and purposes, you need to embrace it. Amateurism is done. It's professional. But those professional leagues, even baseball, which is all about the players, they still have to sign contracts. They can't decide willy-nilly, I've got a three-year contract. I'm leaving. I'm going to go to the, the Yankees because they're going to pay me more money. So my point is when these players either sign with a school recruiting or they transfer to a school, at that point you need to sign a contract that protects both people, just like I do in an employment situation. I hire people. They've got to sign non-competes. There's a give and take for both sides. Right now, the players aren't giving up anything. It's just like whoever's going to give me the most money, I'm out. The problem is who is going to get together. I think all five conferences are somehow going to have to come together and say we're going to break away. We're going to form this super conference. We're going to have players. They have collective bargaining. Get the players involved in this thing and sign off on this thing. This is how we're going to govern things from here on out. And you got to implement it, but you better do it fast because if they wait five, six years, all those fans at those hundred schools you guys talked about, they're going to be out. Well, Gene's jumping to the resolution here, and we're going to get to it. But I would note that if you make them employees, then you have to unionize the players. Yes. Well, Gene, there are thousands and thousands. Of, I mean, who's doing that? Who's, who's unionizing? That, the, I mean, this is going to be interesting. I, I get your point. But that, you have to, right? Isn't that the only way this thing works? If you make them employees. Uh, in the interim, Ira, Corey, can we answer this? Because I have a bad feeling for the average Florida State fan, their hands are to the sky, palms are to the sky, and they're going, so in the, in the meantime, we get screwed? Because I think the answer to that is kind of yes. What can FSU do to combat this at a time where there is no regulation? Well, I think, I mean, I'll jump ahead here, in here, Corey. Uh, you know, I just think it's, it's going to be, I think what you're going to see is a lot of the donors who have been donating money, and this is a big concern for a lot of schools, a lot of the donors who have been donating a lot of their money to athletic departments or facilities improvements uh, or different sports teams now may say, you know what, I still want to give this $100,000 to Florida State or I want to give $250,000, whatever they've been giving to the school. Now they may say, you know what, we've got to put this towards football. We have to go get the best players we can possibly get every year, whether that's through recruiting and whether that's through the, the transfer portal. And then now that money that used to go to the athletics department to support some of these other programs is all going to be diverted, I think, to football. I, I just don't – I think there's going to be enough people, even at schools like Florida State that are not ri as rich as a Texas A&M or USC or, or some of these other schools, there's going to be a desire from the people who do have money to put it all towards football and try to do whatever they can to, to have some success. And I think that's going to really impact some of these other programs and the other fundraising that the school has to do. Corey, a quick question for you. Do you think at the end of the day, these uh, television contracts are going to be the key to all of this, right? I would I would hasten the conversation towards streaming 
television contracts, because if, the, if we have something that is so regionalized or minimalized by the amount of people that can truly compete, then TV, you know, the, the, the ad execs and folks are going to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is going, we're getting fewer and fewer people to watch a sport that was at one time growing and growing and growing. I guess my question to you is, the end of all this or the significant amount of change that we might see, is that going to be, in fact, the Power Five, as engineered by the television groups, breaking away from those who just simply don't want to compete at that level and that the real amateurism could happen in Conference USA and other schools that can't afford to compete at that level? Yeah, I mean, maybe. I think that's something we all think could happen uh, down the road. I just wonder when they do these new TV contracts and this new world order that we're under, will there be any uh, unification of these conferences? Because again, the beauty of the NFL is they all have the same salary cap. They all make the same amount of TV revenue. Every single NFL team makes the same amount of TV revenue, whether it's the Jags or the Cowboys, um, at least in the national network TV revenue games. They don't do that in college football. So what I'm worried about is you're going to um, – you know, you're going to isolate the team. There's a lot of great fan bases out there that aren't Alabama and Georgia or Ohio State. And when you don't give them near the amount of money to compete with the big boys, does that does that kill your product? And I just wish somebody somewhere had some forethought to think about what college football will look like in tw at 2035 or 2040. We'll still care, I think. But you you've got you can't let this become horse racing. You know, horse racing used to be like the biggest sport in the world in the 30s. In in NASCAR, even like NASCAR is regionalized. College football doesn't need to be a regional sport. It needs to be a national sport. You need to keep everybody included, and that should be the goal of anybody that's in making decisions for the future of the uh, future of college football. Sorry, I slipped there. Well, and, and Gene, what that would be, uh, right, as we kind of got to wrap it up, but I, I would say that what we're all going to monitor yeah. as passionate observers and fans of college football, it's one of the reasons we all got into this, is that we love the game so much at the collegiate level. And I love pro sports, but I always looked at it as very different. I'm looking more and more at pro sports and college sports as one and the same, and that's the, that's the pushback from college fans. People will adapt, but there have got to be you know unilateral rules, and I would yep. guess that we're going to bet that, that that's the power five breaking away. Yep. I just wonder who becomes the czar of college football and says, okay, to Corey's point, in the best interest of college football, SEC, you can't go grab Texas and Oklahoma. You can't, you know, we need other conferences to play by the same rules where it's not just one poaching here and again and again and again, or else it's the ruination of the sport. But I, I think in the near future, nobody's coming to save Florida State. So for right now, as it amounts to Florida State, you've got to hope that groups like Rising Spear and others that are coming together to help compete can identify and save money and be prepared for when situations like, let's just say, an Ezra Thomas or McCall or somebody like that has a great year and then is being sought or poached by SEC schools and others, can we step up at Florida State yeah. and be able to pay those players? Because that's what the market dictates now. And Jeff, that's a scary part. Of it. Florida State hasn't really experienced it too much, but exactly what you brought up, that is going to happen to Florida State. It's just a matter of when. I can see those guys you mentioned, maybe maybe say Cooper. We see like Omarion Cooper might be the guy with the most talent on the team, like an NFL-type talent. Would any of us be surprised if he has an All-American-type season this year? And then what happens when Ruiz from Miami comes in and says, you know what, son, I'm going to give you $5 million because I, I lost to Florida State again, and I love my buddies, and I can't stand that my Florida State buddies are giving me crap. So I'm going $5 million, and he's like, you know what, if I'm Cooper, I agree. I'm out. Give me the $5 million to go play at Miami. I got, I'm going to go to the NFL either way. I'll cash in. I love Florida State, but money speaks, and that's the problem. I will say that one positive about this whole thing, Jeff,
is maybe this will expedite what you're talking about. Maybe the Power Five, even even Nick Saban has said this is unsustainable. He doesn't like it. So you would think even the SEC might listen to Nick Saban and say, we need to get together. We need to break away from the NCAA, start this group, have some kind of revenue cap like the NFL does, get together, incorporate, have a commissioner to oversee the, the greater health of college sports. Maybe this will expedite that thing. I don't know. My fear is, again, if it's not expedited and you say 2035, 2040, I don't know what's left of the sport. And I, I wanted to point out real quick, like, you know, I, I think the NIL, what we thought was going to be great about it is after Dalvin Cook's sophomore year. My man, he was a household name. He was a great football player. He was not allowed to go make money for being a great football player. So it would have been fair. And we would have all been supported him making money off his name, image, and likeness because he was a big star. And uh, the 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 uh, slappy from Northern Illinois, Mr. Heisman contender, Jordan, what was his name? Jordan what? Lynch? Is that right? Jordan, no, you guys right. are terrible. You, you, we all forgot him. Hey, that man, guy. I'm not I'm not the one that brought up Jordan Lynch in the NIL podcast. But uh, but I'm saying, like, that guy would have been an NIL superstar in wherever Northern Illinois is. Like, he deserved, he was a big star then, and he doesn't get to pay. He doesn't get paid for football at all anymore. And those are the guys that could really make a living off this and, and have a, and have a yeah. boon to their finances because of that, because they deserve it. It's but, the guys that get paid before they've done anything, which is, goes against the very nature of what they were trying to create with this thing, I thought. But I also think to follow up on what Gene's saying, though, the scenario where these players get poached, it there, and the fact that there's not a market in place and there's not a structure or salary cap or anything like that is fine, except the reality of uh, human nature is going to take effect because we saw what happened at the University of Miami where they go out and get this transfer from Kansas State and put out the number of $800,000 for two years. And now all of a sudden, one of their other best players is like, wait, I need a raise. So you're going to see that uh, all these rosters where if, if Miami goes out and poaches somebody else's player, he, they're going to have problems on their roster with whatever those guys are making. And you're going to have this constant shuffling where maybe now that kid's dissatisfied. So Florida state comes in and says, Hey, why don't you come to Tallahassee? I mean, I just think that that there's a, in the short term, that's going to become the norm where you're going to have players shuffling so often that I think that's going to create what I talked about earlier, where people just kind of expect it and accept it because that's the new norm, at least until something changes. Corey Clark, uh, Northern Illinois is in DeKalb. For Gene Williams, Iron, and Corey, I'm Jeff. We didn't solve any problems. We feel exacerbated as you do. We know that we're all going to be watching this very, very closely, frequently having roundtables such as this. You guys will write about it. I'll talk about it. We'll all talk about it together going to want to stay tuned here to Warchant TV and Warchant.com and like and subscribe. Maybe we'll get answers sooner rather than later in the interim. It's certainly fun to echo the sentiments of college football fans who feel like the sport's in crisis right now together. And so we'll add our, lend our insights whenever we have them. Until next time, for those gentlemen, I'm Jeff. Thanks for watching, everybody. You guys take care.